All right, welcome to Hyperborean Radio, your favorite podcast on all of the interwebs, specifically tailored only for the most beautiful and wise individuals out there in the wastelands of modernity. I am Celtic God, and with me today is the Lore Keeper. Hello, everybody, and a shout out to all my fellow dirty heathens in the audience. All right, I was really impressed with my intro. Yes, it I was, thought it was really, really good, super professional. It had it was the gooderest. The goodest. It wasn't the gooderest, but it was the goodest. Yes. But today, we're actually going to talk about pagans. Something we talk about every single day, but I think it's time for another vocab lesson. Well, and yeah, uh, part of the reason for this is um, every now and then, somebody will say, well, I know that you guys are pagans, but it seemed like you stopped talking about paganism a while ago. No, it's all that we talk about. The only thing that we ever talk about, even in private conversations, we can be talking about anything, light bulbs, and we will turn it into a conversation about paganism. Yes, and part of this comes down to the word pagan because it's actually used really improperly. We've actually gone over how it is currently used before, which is it actually includes pretty much anything non-Abrahamic. So the Dharmic religions actually get shoved into this. And then you have even Satanism, all the occultism. You could probably throw Scientology in there. Mm -hmm. Some people might even argue Mormonism. Which is the common usage, but the common usage typically is, wrong. is not correct. It's one of the main reasons we use words like goodfellow instead. Plus, it's just a fun word. Mm -hmm. Goodfellow is a good word. It's an old term, and uh, it's due for a, uh, a, little for bit a revival. revival. So hello to all you goodfellows out there. Yes, the dirty heathens. The yes. The, the unwashed masses. The good fellows of the heath, the cunning folk of the stone circles. And by the way, unwashed, the unwashed masses, once upon a time, used to mean those not washed in the blood of Christ. I did not know yeah, that. It That's didn't literally me. mean dirty like they didn't wash themselves. That's why they could call, like the Irish, for instance, the unwashed, the unwashed and unclean Irish who also insist on bathing at least twice a week and changing their clothes weekly. Yes, the sexy dirt is not accurate. But anytime you see a show with sexy dirt... It's just not a thing, not when it comes to heathens. No. The Christians had the sexy dirt. Yes, yes, they did. The oily, greasy, well, smelly, sexy dirt. Yes, in honor of their god, Oily yes, Josh. Oily Josh, the Jewish wizard. Oh, uh, before we really dive into this, I kind of want to brag about the list that we've landed on, which just tells me that they don't listen to us or read us at all. Oh, yeah. We ended up on an anti-Semitic channel list, which was very confusing, but I don't really put a lot of stock in it because it literally has a channel listed among its anti-Semitic channels. It, all it does is uh, post old pictures of gnomes. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing more. And it's not that we're pro-Semitic either. We're but we got on the anti-Semitic list, and, and here's here's the deal: we just don't care. We zero fucks are given given for the Semitic peoples. Not positive, not negative. Don't care. Zero fucks given. Well, actually, we talk zero caring. Well, except when we're uh, poking fun at Oily Josh. And Oily his Josh. Various that friends. must be what did it is because we do take some massive digs at Oily Josh. Actually, we talk more about uh, Polynesians for anybody than anybody new. Oily Josh is what Jesus Christ actually uh, translates to. Yes, and so, since as we are not followers of Oily Josh, we are pagans. But what does pagan specifically mean? I'm not going to do the whole stupid thing of well Webster's dictionary. No, no, no. Just the word itself. Yeah, we only do Webster's dictionary when we get really fed up, or are just being sarcastic yeah. as all heck. Which usually goes hand in hand with being really fed up. Pretty much. But it's just a term that is, it literally means your ethnic faith. They would actually call the uh, unbaptized kids. Spe specifically of uh, of Europe. That's, well, that's and it started, the original intention. It, it specifically meant the Greeks, but it's been used for all of Europe. Mm -hmm. it, which is why you have terms like Slavic pagan, Norse pagan. And we've gone over why that's a gross oversimplification, but... The thing is, is pagan literally just means your de facto ethnic faith. Right. So Hindus are not pagan, even though they're not Abrahamic. They are Dharmic. They have their own name. Yes. If you're a Dravidian, maybe it's your ethnic faith. Kind of depends on what version you're doing. Yeah. It depends on how it's done. 
Yes, because there's here's the thing is just like in Europe where there is a stupid amount of tribal variation, there are thousands, if not millions of freaking gods. The same is true in Dravidia. There were different tribes in different regions had different gods. But the broader, just like there's groups trying to make the collected Rodnavarin, the collected Asatru, the Wiccan nonsense. Or the, the Pan-European. Yes, all of these are just new religions. Because here's the thing is, you could actually have children, and if they weren't baptized, which technically speaking, even if you were baptized, if you didn't agree to it, it doesn't uh, count. Confirmation. Yes, and I never went through confirmation, so I'm not technically officially well, most, baptized. Most people haven't, actually. Well, it's because it's pointless. Right. And there is a way to undo it. It's a super magic spell. You got to join us. And and there's payments to be made. And then we can undo your confirmation. It's a super (laughs) secret magic spell. (laughs) I say with innocent eyes looking at where my camera would be if we had one. (laughs) Yes. And the reason that we're bringing this up is because there are a lot of New Age religions. There's a lot of use of the term pagan. That really has nothing to do with it. Like, um, for instance, there's many, many different gods throughout Europe. There's many, many different traditions. In fact, in America, you've actually grown up with several pagan gods. So one example of these pagan gods that most people have heard of but don't notice is Santa Claus. He's actually probably the most popular pagan god that's ever existed. Here's the thing. People will be like, oh, you're going to worship Santa Claus like God. You're going to set up an altar to Santa Claus and go to church for Santa Claus. And no, 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 no. Well, first of all, pagans don't do none of that. No, that's that's where everyone makes the mistake. It's not you're going to venerate Santa Claus like you do Yahweh. Thing is, Santa Claus is already venerated like a pagan God would be. Uh, there's actually an old tradition with the witch cults where people would actually dress up to embody the god whether this was a bear costume a simple outfit whatever and people would bring their children and introduce them to the god and the two would interact and it was usually just a short kind of cordial interaction introducing the kid to the god embodied by the individual and the individual wasn't necessarily a priest it might just be fred from the bakery who happened to be part of this traditional agricultural cult what do people do every freaking christmas Where do they take their kids and who do they introduce the kids to? And sometimes wait in line for a long time. On occasion, send him prayers. Oh, yes. Dear Santa Claus. (laughs) That's actually a thing some kids will do. Right. And then they write letters to him, which the parents are more than happy to interact with. And Santa Claus will show up, but there's also gifts from the parents. And people tell stories about Santa Claus. And while there's a general myth, you're allowed to play with it quite a bit, in fact. and. This is the thing, as we brought this up in our last podcast, the story, the oral storytelling tradition was replaced by film and television, which often draws actually from folklore, which is partly why a lot of things end up really popular. Like there are Santa Claus films that fall flat, like Fred Claus. Nobody really liked that film. I don't know anybody that watches it on a regular basis. But then you have recent films like Klaus, for instance, which captured a lot of the spirit of Santa Claus. And that's just become very, very popular. Well, and that's it. They have to capture the spirit. Well, not capture. Because you aren't catching Santa Claus. <laughs> not, you don't have a butterfly net marked right. for Santa Claus. And Yeah. You, you don't have to capture Santa Claus. But they have to capture uh, the spirit of Santa Claus. Movies like Fred Claus flop because they the spirit is not there. It's just a character named... Fred Claus or Santa Claus or Chris Claus or whatever. It has to actually be representative of Santa Claus or it's going to flop, period. Precisely. That's why, like, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen was so popular. It actually, I mean, Frick, there's, I think there's even runes sewn onto his costume. There is. So it's, it's calling back to this older concept. You pretty much have to freeze frame to see him, but they're there. And that kind of attention to detail is partially why it's enduring. Then you have... Other well-known pagan gods in North America, for instance, Paul Bunyan. Most kids grow up knowing who Paul Bunyan is. If nothing else, he counts as a demigod hero. Even if he's painted as a villain. Oh, yeah. Because he is in in many cities, he'll be painted as a villain. Paul Bunyan went around chopping down all the trees. The trees are are great, and, and he killed them all. 
there's also Johnny Appleseed, who's a bit of a folk hero slash spirit. You have then you have ones like the man in the moon, the Easter bunny, the Grim Reaper, Mother Nature, just uh, right. Oh, but oh. Um, uh, Santa Claus, which we was talking about just a minute ago, he gets prayers, altars, um, food sacrifices. He gets it all. Yes. One thing that people will think, oh, you're saying that none of the gods exist and it'll all reveal to the kids at like eight, eight or nine or ten or whatever age that all the gods are just a joke. Oh, Santa Claus exists. Oh, yes. The qu- this is the thing people don't understand is that's the one thing that people get wrong when you make that comparison. Mo- because here's the thing. You aren't fighting tooth and nail against a foreign religion if your gods are just metaphors. A pretty good chunk of the population believes in them, even if... Well, it, and some people out there, well, I've never really been good. I've never actually gotten anything from the real Santa Claus. Exactly. Exactly. You've never really been good if you've never really gotten a present from Santa Claus. I have. I lived alone. The door was locked. I woke up. There was an axe wrapped up and waiting for me next to my woodpile. And, and it was even indoors. So not my woodpile outside. My wood pile next to the wood stove. Now, how did that happen? It's because Santa Claus showed up. And that's actually a thing is, let's say Santa Claus literally shows up and does things like that. How many kids are actually good? Let's be honest. If you, if you had the standards of Santa Claus, and old school Santa used to straight up kidnap the bad kids and then basically work them as slave labor. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Those um, are some of my favorite stories. So do you really think that most modern kids like Gen X, Millennial, Gen Z, whatever's after Gen Z. Right. And the thing is, they might not be bad kids, but they're also not good kids. Uh, good kids. They're not exemplary. Are you naughty so or nice? Most people, let's be honest, most people fall down uh, in the middle. It's like, um, and we'll have this, the the Telegram post uh, posted by the time this comes out. But with hell, for instance. Most people will go to hell, H-E-L, or most Scandinavians will go to hell, some Celts but and some Germanics. But most people are going to go to hell, H-E-L. They aren't going to go to, um, for whatever reason, I, I, I can't think of any of the other hall names, probably because I'm thinking of hell. Valhalla. Valhalla. They aren't going to go to what's Friggs or Frares or whatever. Uh, I always is. forget. uh no, not not Muselheim. Anyways, they're not going to go to Frigg's Hall or Freya's Hall or Thor's Hall or any of these other halls. Where they're going to end up going is hell. And it's not because they're bad. But they also didn't live a life good enough to be a hero. They, they, they didn't achieve greatness. Well, they didn't even catch the attention of some of the more obscure gods like Literally, there's one that just takes, like, young lovers. So, Romeo and Juliet, that sort of thing. And they, they just fell through the cracks. And quite often, uh, it's not just the... It'll be the people that died of illness, which is what most of us die of now. Starvation, um, an infection. Famine. Famine. All the, the things... That's why she has, uh, what is it, the, the knife and fork or the plate? The knife, and, fork, and plate, famine, something and other. Yeah. I don't have all these stories memorized, but that's why she has these is because these are the things not that she kills with. These are the things people die of that she gets. She gets the forgotten, the people that and rather, die a glorious They're not forced death. on her. She takes them in. Uh, people have to stop thinking that, oh, you're sent to hell. No, 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 no. You get to go to hell. There is a place for you. Well, and it's not where the bad people go. I, I First of all, the pagan definition of that differs greatly oh, yeah. from Be, the Christian. You tripped over a story where um, hell drove Satan out of the underworld. Well, yeah, it was uh, during Christianized. It's a figure implied to be hell. She starts flitting with Satan and basically tells her to get out of her house, basically. Yes. Yeah. It's always interesting to find those little things. Like, for everybody that thinks, like, oh, the Sa- old Saxons just converted to Christianity and then Jesus Christ was awesome. Yes, uh, that's why they had sayings like, Christ is mighty, but weird is mightier. Yes. <laughs> and that's a goddess, by the way, not just the web of weird. It's like the Erder's Well. There's a goddess named Erder. Well, and uh, the fit running man body. There's this, this thing with uh, Christianity where they thought Oily Josh the Jewish wizard, was a bearded woman. 
Oh, yeah, there's several folk saints of uh, crucified bearded women that the best guess as to where all these came from was that there was a crucified depiction of Jesus that still had robes, which is probably why they typically depict him almost naked nowadays. Right. It's to make it clear that it's masculine because Hyperboreans and our great naivety and innocence was like, oh, that is horrible that they did that to that bearded woman. Look, it's wearing a gown. And it's small and petite like a woman, but it has a beard like a man. How monstrous of them to to crucify her (laughs) because that's the way that we work. Well, and I've noticed a habit of, at least this is with Catholics, I don't know how Protestants work too much, but in general, I've noticed most people actually don't care about Jesus. You know, the the guy that the religion's actually named Mm -hmm. after. I mean, you've even run into some people that claim Jesus Christ has nothing to do with Christianity. Or the Bible. Or the Bible. There's people that think like Snow White is in the Bible. To quote Stan Smith from American Dad, the best stories are in there. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Steamboat Willie. Yeah, there's people that actually think like Snow White is in the Bible. I've run into them. Yes, it's because people never read the thing, so they just think, oh, hey, it's the best story ever told, so all the good stories have to be in there. It's like they think the Bible is the never-ending story. Just mm-hmm. all the stuff that happens goes in it. It's it's not a magic book, and it's one of those things. It's why I brought up pagans. It's literally just how you are, and Part of the reason that paganism seems so complicated when it's actually a really, it's really simple. It's natural. And for most Americans, here are your default pagan gods that you've probably heard of. You've heard of Santa Claus. You've heard of the Grim Reaper. You've heard of Paul Bunyan. You might have heard of Columbia. You've probably heard of Uncle Sam, which was kind of made to replace her. The Undertaker. No, not the wrestler. The actual folkloric psychopomp from the Old West. You've heard of folk heroes like Doc Holliday or Daniel Boone. You've heard of you've heard of all these different figures that sort of make up the mythic landscape, and you care about them. And some people might even, you know, like the the scene from Gravity Falls. I don't I'm not, don't know if you're up there, and I'm not a praying man, but if you're out there, please save me, Paul Bunyan. Mm, yeah, it's played for a joke, but there are people that do that. Uh, like he has his his actual followers. Yes, they're kind of obscure. Like you have to go to basically logging competition. Logging, they, com- they, if there's a logging competition in the area, and more than just Paul Bunyan followers go to logging competitions. But if there's a logging competition, odds are if there is a true follower of Paul Bunyan there, he will be there. Well, and it's a lot of what people don't seem to understand. It's why people, I've pointed this out before. People will read the Eddas or they'll read the Tain or they'll read one of these if stories. If they read it. If they bother Let's be to read honest, it. Most people actually don't. Well, here's the thing is, most people who were raised pagan didn't read the stories in a book. They grew up hearing about them. The problem right now is most of us don't have this. So right. you end up with people basically picking names out of a hat. Well, and here's the thing. I'm not shaming people that haven't read these various books. If you've learned it through oral, tr- it, through listening to somebody else talk, you learned it right. This is why we say the mean things that we say. Like, I don't know. You don't need the, the feather duster and the chalk circles and chalker stones. You don't need to sing the hymnals. You don't need to build the special altar. You don't need to do all this other stuff. That's why we say these mean things is because you have learned it right by listening to other people. The issue is they don't know what they're talking about, which is where my personal attitude comes in. And they're like, but it's just a difference of opinion. And this is my personal way of doing it. Yes. And I have no problem with the way that you're personally doing it. What I have a problem with is when you open up your mouth and talk because you're whether you intend it or not. And let's be honest, most of these people intend to be teaching people. You're teaching them to do these silly things that this is the way that it has to be done. Well, it's like... And it doesn't. I don't talk about my UPG on here. No, nor do I. In fact, if people read our telegram, you'll see that we span all the pantheons. And actually, we don't tend to talk very often about gods we actually venerate because we don't want to color people's perceptions too much of that. It's like... um, That's why we don't cover um, tier or holla that much holla that much is because there's too much of us in that and we have to we can do it in writing but we have to purposefully step back 
And it's because whether we intend to or not, and to be honest, we do intend to because we didn't used to. But we it, we came to the realization because we're speaking in public, we are teaching. My issue is the the people that's teaching their UPG as if it's fact. No, that's why we do so much research. The people that are just listening, even if you've gotten some silly things, you learned it the right way. You learned it the right way. It should actually be an oral tradition. You shouldn't have to pick up a damn book and read it to be pagan because you don't. Well, it's like um, there's a fall, uh, someone who we've interacted with before, Eat, Bake, Sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, the least pagan thing she does is go to an Odinist temple. If she goes there, I think she just likes it. I have no idea. It's yeah, her business. E- either way. But she That do- is honestly the least pagan thing that she does. She teaches skills. She learns folk songs. She goes. T- she talks about Robin Hood. There's all these things in her local culture that she has as part of her, as part of her tradition. Follow her on uh, oh, YouTube, by the oh, way. Oh, follow Eat, her on sing. YouTube, or you can follow her on Telegram, English Folk Song. We're very tertially related to her, so if you have problems with us, don't contribute them yeah, to her. Yeah, don't take them out on her. She's she's a very nice lady. We're not overly connected. But that's kind of the thing, is the stuff that you learned, it might be heavily Christianized, but it's closer to your paganism. It's like, I've been trying to figure out a way. It's not easy. But to try and reverse engineer where a lot of saints, where a lot of God's ranges were by sort of figuring out where the saints are. But it's so warped, it's almost impossible. But you can kind of get a hint here and there. Like uh, there's a version of Mary Magdalene that literally has a pelt, which also happens to be right where there's a lot of wild women goddesses. Or St. Nicholas in Southern Europe is basically like Apollo, but you get up into Germany and... Northern Europe, it's like a ripoff of a wild man or Woden or Fro or Krampus. It's a whole thing. But, yeah, I was going to bring up the most pagan things that any of us do, myself included, you who's listening, are the things that you don't think about. You're not going out of your way to do them. If you like to fish, fishing is probably the most pagan thing that you do. I'm going to go stereotypical. A woman who bakes, because we was just talking about eat, bake, sing. The most pagan thing that she can do, the most venerative, uh, I don't even know if that's a word, uh, venerative thing that she could possibly do is baking. It do- the thing doesn't matter. If you have to do go out of your way to set up some kind of ceremony, some kind of ritual, specifically for veneration, um, that's not it. Well, it's That's like what religions do. Paganism is literally who we are. So it doesn't mean that you can't do ceremony. It doesn't mean that you can't do rituals because we do these all the time. When you get up in the morning, if you have a family, you get up in the morning, you make breakfast, you set breakfast on the table, you call the family to the table, and then you eat breakfast together while everybody's in a hurry. And that is your ritual. That is a ritual to the family. Well, it's like um, when I went to uh, my grandma's funeral. There was a lot of Christianization and stuff because it's a Catholic funeral. But a lot of it was really quite pagan. For instance, the community got together because it's someone who's lived there for a long time. The, they had a potluck where people brought different foods as sort of a let's have dinner and talk about this and sort of reconnect. And then people went home and they spent time with family and they told stories about stuff that happened. Maybe not all to do with my grandmother, but they did that. And then here's the thing is in that same town, one of the most pagan things was this small garden museum to Thomas Jefferson. And it's actually set up a lot like you'd think a pagan shrine would be. There's information and little museum tidbits. There's an interactive garden that grows like stuff that Thomas Jefferson introduced to the American because he used to be a gardener. And then there's a statue of Thomas Jefferson that you're supposed to interact with. It's on a bench. You can sit right next to it. He's holding the... I believe it was the Declaration of Independence. And yeah, you can actually read it because they have the letters carved into it. This is closer to a pagan shrine where you are basically just continuing the legend. Mm-hmm. There's a statue there, but it's mostly just You behind. go there, you learn, you touch stuff, you interact with stuff. It's not all about quiet veneration and thought and introspection. 
I mean, we should be a little bit more introspective because we did a whole series on that, trying to get people to, to think inside, who am I really? But this whole, it's, it's a false dynamic. That's what it is. And it really aggravates the living shit out of me. Well, it's people are trying to take Yahweh and then just treat all of the gods like many Yahwehs. Mm -hmm. We must treat them just like we did the Christian God. No, the Christian God is abnormal. The way they want you to venerate him is unnatural. That's why they have to train it into you your entire childhood. It is not how we traditionally or naturally venerate our gods. It's why we say things like paganism is a passive veneration. It doesn't mean that you do it very lazily, but you do it all the time. It's like Santa Claus. Santa Claus is passively venerated. You tell stories about him. You show stories about him. You make art. You talk about how Santa Claus is coming. You embody the spirit of Santa Claus. It. Yes, it's fun. It's part of the culture. It's something that kids think about. He is a valued element of American mythology and culture. It's not, I go to the Santa Claus church once per year and pray seven times for to be on the nice list and not well, and the naughty the list. People like it. That's, oh, yeah. That's the big giveaway. That's one of the giveaways that it's closer to being in tune with who we are as a, pe as a people. Nobody enjoys funerals, but nobody has to be drugged to a funeral. There's certain things about the funerals that we really dislike, but those are the inserts. We, uh, the honoring of the dead, that is natural. The saying goodbye. Well, that is natural. The us getting together and talking, that's natural. What is unnatural about that? The thing that ev that nobody actually likes? And they'll say, well, that was a good ceremony. Is when the priest or whoever it is that gets up there and then they give the, is it a eulogy or something like that? Uh, uh, sermon. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Oh, uh, eulogy. If it wasn't for those women, our peckers would rust. Eulogy. Whatever it is that they say. Well, it's like, People like going to Renaissance fairs. Yes. Uh, even though it's usually inaccurate, there's about 50 people dressed like a pirate, and turkey legs definitely weren't in medieval Europe. But one of the things that uh, I was uh, going to bring up is the ceremony of the wedding. Not people getting married. That's not what I'm saying. Which actually was just coupling. Publicly saying, we are together. We are mates. But the, the wedding ceremony, nobody really likes. The stuff leading up to, yes. The stuff afterwards, yes. The ceremony itself is an insert. Which is why people are gladly leaving it behind and just starting to couple. The act the legal requirements, the overly grand ceremony, that was what rich people did to A, show off their wealth, and B, not piss off It's a binding of a contract, and it always has been. And it's it, a business contract. Yes, and most people, we have no reason to do that. We might have a party or a shindig. But it's not the same thing. And here's the thing is there's a reason historically pagans could divorce fairly easily. There were still social problems. social contracts, but there weren't legal contracts. Yes. Well, it's like um, people seem to have forgotten that uh, originally what uh, your engagement was, was a trial marriage period. Mm -hmm. You would actually move in together. You would try to get pregnant. You would do all the husband things. And yeah, she would none do of all the them. men got pregnant because it just doesn't work that way. No, but the, the, <laughs> the women might. And then here's the nice thing is let's say one of you is infertile or both might be fertile, but you can't. Right, because get that does happen. You can Which, have two perfectly fertile people that just for whatever reason can't have children together. Yes, it's partly why part of the original engagement was to see if you could get pregnant. It sounds kind of silly from modern standards, but it makes sense. And I know that we, the whole wedding thing just made a bunch of people mad, but fuck you. I don't care if you got mad. We're going to consistently tell you the truth. We aren't, there's, you don't really get UPG on here. It's anything that we say is based off from research. Well, it's like hand fasting. It's just run through an actual pagan filter, not through an Abrahamic filter, not through a Dharmic filter. Not through a social filter. Well, speaking of which, uh, hand fasting. People are talking about that in the pagan sphere about how it's the traditional pagan marriage ceremony. No, that's a Jewish thing. That is a Jewish thing. It was done in the uh, Middle Ages. It was done in the Middle Ages specifically, typically by the lords and ladies, mm -hmm. I believe. Here's the thing. Do you have any idea how many Jews were married into the lordship? Because you had to be tied into the nation of Judaism, the nation mm -hmm. of Israel, 
to really truly be Christian. Let yep, that sink sir. in. That's why they would marry them. It was to make this contract with the Pope, with the Vatican, with the church. You had to have Jewish blood in your line. It was a contract. Yes, that's not offensive. That's not... Uh, da, da, da. No, no it's, that's historical that's fact. That's just historical fact. That's why everyone wants to be the lost tribe of Jews. And then... I mean, because we could take the route. We won't. But we could take the route of being purely educational and just spout facts with less storytelling, less color put on it. But let's be honest. That'd be boring as fuck. Yes. Well, it's like but nowadays. Every, everything that we say is historically, academically backed up. Well, yes. What we do is we do the research and then we tell it to you in a fun way because simply put, you don't want to be us to be here and giving you a lecture like some uh, stuffy English professor. Not out, not all of them were Tolkien. You, not everybody was entertaining. Well, to listen even to. him, he, he I pro- guarantee you he was dry as fuck in the classroom or at least phoned it in when he was bored. Yeah. And then here's the thing is you can see with a lot of these modern new age, not pagan religions. That it has nothing to do with ethnic faith because people are trying to, like pe- the people that are trying to convince that Appalachia is actually Danish. Yes, that's why almost all of the culture is Scots-Irish. Right. It's historically documented who lived there. So anybody that tells you that they're, well, they're descended of the Danes. Man, are they stretching to get that. Well, yes. the Danes are mostly Celtic and Scottish. Yes, but that is not where the people actually came from. They literally came from Scotland and Ireland for the the Appalachians, most of them. There is a smattering of English, and there is a smattering of Danish, but there's also a smattering of everything else. But the majority of it, Irish and Scottish descent. Yes, and the reason that people are trying to retroactively make themselves Scandinavian is because the way Ossetru is set up, and you can get mad at this all you want, but people should know. They're setting themselves up up as the the, new chosen people, Yes, which is why everyone wants to be Scandinavian who's getting into Ossetru, is instead of looking into their own ethnic faith, they're trying to fit into a new universalist faith. Right, and here's another thing. European paganism for Hyperboreans... There is no esoteric truth. Esoteric, the hidden the hidden secret, the hidden truth. Why would we hide the truth from each other? Well, it's like people will make the Eddas extremely esoteric. These were songs. They have to because they're not Icelandic. Because even the Scandinavians get weird with it because they're Icelandic stories. Well, and they were the, they were sung by bards in mead halls. It's like the story of Thor's wedding. People will mm-hmm. get esoteric about the transsexual nature of Thor. Or Thor, the, the really, story it, represents the feminine one, and the masculine. It was a fucking joke. It's a Biggest, funny story. strongest, manliest man around, and we're Dre- going to get his hammer back. We could just storm in and do some fighting and get the hammer. Or we can get him to wear a dress because it's fucking funny. And who, who suggests it? Heimdall, not Loki. Some yes, people Heimdall, say- not Loki. Because I've heard so many people... Oh, I, AFA and the Ossetru Church and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. My Gothi told me all about the stories, and I've read the Edda 452 times. It was Loki that did that. No, it wasn't. Go back, read it again. It was Heimdall. And here's Have the fun th- with that. You can even see the it in the art. The of the gods. You can even see it in the art of that scene, of that story. Uh, even, Every- even the art closer to the time. It was set up. As a joke. As a joke. It is a funny story. Why? Because sometimes when your your meat hall is half in the bag and everyone's kind of rowdy, you want everyone happy, so you start making them laugh. Right. If you can make them laugh, then the fight doesn't happen. Well, it's like a, you just saw the picture of Thor in the wedding dress and you started laughing. Oh, dude, yeah. But it's because I'm not an up, uh, uptight stick in the mud that's still fighting the Abrahamic um, puritanical bullshit. Well, it's like... Uh, the Dogda. People get offended at, well, he's got an eight-foot cock. How is that offensive? He's got an eight-foot cock. He's all man. Yeah. I mean, he plows the field all day long. All day long. All day long, you plow yeah, that field. Yeah, all the ladies out there got it. <laughs> but it's it's like how there's this weird puritanical thing where everyone's getting prudish. You know what's pretty natural for our people? Almost everybody is more than happy to make a lewd joke. It's all the pearl clutchers that are like, oh, you can't say that. Right. Or um, that's also like our kids inherently like animals mm-hmm. and they like going into the woods. They're not 
typically scared of it. It's like we have to teach our kids to be scared of oh, these yeah. things. Oh, yeah, and I've, I've seen that firsthand. Don't go out there. The wild animals will get you. Yeah, it, it's... I'm not one of those people that's like, well, if we just decolonize our thinking and let kids raise themselves. Yeah, no, 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 not no, it either. No, 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 no. I mean, like I brought up in the last podcast, we need to realize the things that we've been taught via media and via corrupt elements in the culture mm-hmm. that have shifted our opinions away from what we would have just by looking at our own experience. But that doesn't mean we have to decolonize our thinking. Right. Well, and... The- a lot of it, too, is a lot of these people teaching paganism because that's what they're doing, whether they realize it or not. And most of them realize exactly what they're doing and will even say that I am teaching people insert stupid thing. Well, there's pe- but it, it's like somebody in the city that's never been outside of the city and has only been to the park twice teaching somebody from the rural countryside about the rural countryside. I am going to teach you about these animals that you see every day. I am going to teach you about these, how, how to plant the plants that you plant every year. I'm going to teach you. No, no, no. The city dweller that learned it from, they can't know. They just can't. Well, it's like we grow up hearing the fairy tales and the stories and the folklore of our people. As the Christian priests would say, the pagan Bible. This is one way that I can think of it. What we're not actually teaching. What we're trying to do is unteach. Yes, we're not trying to teach the uh, circus bear how to be a bear. We're trying to remind them not to be a circus bear. Yeah, that's it. It's and there's so much, so much of the circus. Yes, so much. Of or the to circus. use another animal uh, reference, another sacred animal that really doesn't get enough love is the pig. I know the pig doesn't get a lot of love, but here's the thing: the pig is not only a sacred animal to are ethnic faiths almost across the board. I don't know any of them that don't have a pig as some level of important animal. It's also an animal that is specifically disliked by the Abrahamic faiths. So I don't know why it's not more popular. But pigs, it's well known. You take a, a domestic pig, you shove it into the wild, it gets shaggy and regro- gets mu- more muscular, less fat, and grows its tusks back. Mm-hmm. It's up All we're doing is trying to encourage you to go out into the woods. It's up to you to grow the shaggy fur, the tusks, and actually put on some muscle mass instead of being, you know, a fat bunch of hands. Right. Nobody has to teach them to be boars. What they have to do is just learn to stop walking up to the feeding trough. Stop walking up to the feeding trough. Stop staying in the cage and stop letting people, you know, mistreat you. Right. Nobody has to teach the pig how to be a boar. Nobody has to actually teach the circus bear to be a bear. All they have to do is teach it not to be a circus bear. Which a lot of it is literally just putting it in a situation where it can't be a circus bear anymore. Right. It's like uh, elephant. Well, it's, it's really the same thing for us. If you used to pick up a group of people, drop them out in the middle of nowhere with no support of any kind, they would really quickly either become pure heathens again or die well there's actually a good book on this uh it's actually a fiction book it's called the sea wolf Mm -hmm. very soft man raised by his mother and sisters gets in a shipwreck gets rescued but he gets rescued by an illegal fishing vessel who has no intention of going back to land until he's pretty much they're done with what they're doing so they pretty much shanghai him into working for them Mm mm-hmm He breaks his leg and they literally do nothing for him. He just has to walk on it. He gets tougher. He gets stronger. He actually starts to adapt to a very harsh environment, both in terms of the social life. And he starts going wild. He basically starts going wild. And then at some point when he's already, you know, muscled up, he's already learned to deal with a freaking broken leg that he had to heal while he was walking on it. He's grown his beard out because there's not a bunch of razors and combs and little tweezers and And all these people telling them that. Oh, well, you'd look so much better if you just well, trimmed your beard down. Well, he actually mentions it at once at one point in the book, the the main character. He feels his face. He didn't even realize he'd grown a beard. He hasn't been looking in mirrors. He hasn't been oogling himself in the bathroom. He hasn't been applying oils. Could you imagine a bear walking into a barbershop? Well, you'd look so much better if we just took an inch off from all of your fur. It would just clean you up a little bit. Just Just trim it. And then he goes in like a, a month later. Oh, yes, let's let's trim you up and clean you up. You you still look wonderful, magnificent, but let's trim you up. How long until the bear is just bald? Yes, it doesn't take that long, actually. 
and that's the thing is paganism is it's not this esoteric hermetic tradition that people inherit it is just who we are and yes there was a weird sect of people in different pagan communities they got really freaking weird with oh, it oh yeah there's always weirdos it's the equivalent of looking at the average christian most of whom are christian in name only most of them never read their book never read their book most don't even go to church anymore they've got some weird pavlovian response where they're defensive about being christian but aside from that they really didn't bother most of them mm -hmm. and then saying the weirdos that go to a grove in hollywood and worship moloch are the same thing the esoteric weirdos from heavily civilized Rome are not the same as the people who were in the foothills trying to keep themselves alive with their ancestral gods as a part of everyday life. Yeah, the, the weird, esoteric, super ritualized pagans of late Rome are not the same people that started it. Well, I mean, like bloodline, yeah, sure. Most of them, yes, I know that there was some chimeras. Uh, in late period Rome. But, I mean, the approach was not the same. It was definitely polluted well, it's by like, late period. You want to you wanna know the, the number one way. And I'm not talking about the calendar. I'm not talking about the planets. I'm not even talking about the Asclepius symbol being used for medicine. You want to know the number one influence on modern culture from Roman paganism. Janus. The, the that weird two-headed god of doorways. He's not two-headed. No, but they usually depict him that way. Don't they? Yeah, sometimes I've seen Well, it's two-faced, actually, two, not two-headed. Two the most common is two faces, one facing forward, one facing Basically, backwards. the bad guy in the first... It's metaphor, people. Yes, it's not like the bad guy in the first Harry Potter movie where there's another person living on the back right, of his it's, head. It's, no, it's metaphorical. He sees in the future, he sees in the past. How do you represent that in a stationary thing? And then you have the common term for a male spirit or male deity or male spark of divinity genius when we call someone a genius we are literally calling them a god incarnate this is the most influential bit from roman paganism if i had to pick something it is the most influential bit that it still remains to this day when you call someone a genius you are calling them well specifically male who has incorporated the god incarnate tied to janus well, and then I've read something about Janus with janitors, but it's it's drifted just like butlers and maids. They've drifted from what they originally were because the janitors, custodians is another name for them, but custodians used to be something different-ish. It was similar to a modern custodian, but think of modern custodian uh, with a big hammer specifically to smash you in the head should you be doing performing too much fuckery well like let's say there's so it, it was it was partly about maintenance keeping a, an area clean but it was also about protecting the thing well it's like let's go with uh something most people know about which is uh uh the library of congress or uh monticello is you know jeff thomas jefferson's old house they have it as a museum now mm -hmm. it would be like being the head curator of the museum who also takes care of the grounds, dusts everything, takes care of it, and then has a armory worth of guns, explosives, and throwing daggers and straight-up freaking hammers. to protect the place. Yes. It is bodyguard plus caretaker plus effectively docent. It used to be a lot more. But congratulations. If you're a janitor, you are actually keeping a very old tradition alive, even if you don't realize it. Well, it's sort of like um, barbers used to also be surgeons. Mm -hmm. That's why there's the red-blue swirl. It's actually in indicative of blood. Yes. Dude, our people, we're so cool. Well, and we're this is the awesome. thing. This is why I'm saying why this whole thing of this podcast today is we are still pagan. The trick is seeing how things have changed. Once you can see how things have changed, you can see it all around you. Mm -hmm. Like Groundhog Day. Most people are like, that's a silly holiday. Well, it's ancient. The most common thing I've had people get mad at me about and just scream it at me is, well, usually it's, you ruined my life, so on and so forth. I can't unsee it now. Because they start off and they start off doing some of the weird stuff. And then because I'm interacting on them with them one-on-one, -on -one, I, I get them to understand what it actually is and to start seeing the world actually through pagan eyes and then they get really upset because they can't unsee oh we've had people literally wig out on us scream at us over that 
Because here's the thing is once you see the paganism all around us, you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. You can't go back to pretending this is a good little Christian nation. Well, and it's not just that, but you can also start seeing where all the fuckery is, which then makes it so that you have a hard time interacting with most other big giant air quotes pagans because you start to realize these other groups aren't actually heathen. They're they're new age crypto crypto christians well it's they're crypto um hindus well it's like um they're still universalists well like people who are just not crypto christian or crypto universalist who read pagan who read the pagan text the eddas let's go with that Mm -hmm. they don't come away with odin is super good guy and the jotuns all need to die because they're evil they're like odin done fucked up he's the one that caused all the problems to begin with and he's just kind of getting his just desserts Mm -hmm. Or like people be like tear the ones that read it out of honest, actual curiosity. They actually end up heading closer to they see through the, the, the stuff because they aren't running through that filter. They haven't had somebody tell them for months before they ever bothered reading it, how the Jotun are evil. Yes. And then you have things like uh, uh, we were talking to our friend uh, Aethelwolf earlier today about this. Most people, you tell them Tyr and Fenrir are friends. They get it immediately. They mm-hmm. don't know why, but they kind of get it immediately. It's like telling them a story that they already know for some reason. Like Thor and Loki playing in the clouds with right, the giants. Right, the, the story that's never been written down. And what it effectively is, is people can instinctively understand most pagan stories. It's why, like, when I tell people the story of Snow White is a thinly veiled story of a winter goddess, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Right. And for anybody out there listening, because we know that there's people listen to us and you're in organizations and hey, bravo, hopefully you get some kind of umbrella protection through the legalities. But some people are going to run to their their Gothi and be like, these people said Tyr and Fenrir are friends. Is that true? And the Gothi is going to say no. But read the Eddas for yourself. It explicitly says that Tyr took care of Fenrir. And that Tyr only got involved when it was pretty much Fenrir was fed up with the BS and it was pretty much either Fenrir gets chained up or a lot of the Aesir are about to die or at least get really, really maimed. Right. And this is the other thing is we've brought this up before. Your priest is not supposed to be someone outside your family. This is even mentioned in Germania. All fathers, husbands, listen to me. You are the priest of your family. You are, you the, are the spiritual guy. You are the patriarch. You are the genius. You are the all father. Congratulations. Yes. Do not let somebody else lead your family. It is your job, your duty, you don't, your right and your authority. And your responsibility. You don't get to outsource this. It's even mentioned in Germania. The leaders of these, the spiritual leaders more or less, are the, the elders, the grandfathers, and to an extent the grandmothers as well. Your family is led spiritually, physically, emotionally, by your family, the greatest among you, which should, if you're a healthy family, be the elders or at most someone just below them who is phenomenal. Well, and um, because if I had to get a hold of myself for a moment, but here's something that um, a lot of people find infinitely frustrating about me. And, and you did too for a while. Seeking guidance. It's understandable to seek guidance. So then people come to me and they ask me questions uh, generally friends, sometimes even people I don't like and they know I don't like them, but they respect me. So they come to me anyways and I will let them talk and I listen. And then I repeat the thing that they said. I say a bunch of things that they actually know. And sometimes I'll come up with other options and they're like, yes, but what should I do? It is not on me to tell you what to do. You are not my slave. I have no interest in being your master. Your life is your own. Take control of it. Well, and actually, all I've done was laid out the options. Most of them you already knew. Some of them you were unaware of. It is up to you to decide what to do with your life. Well, it's like apprenticeships. People always think it's like, okay, I'm going to show you a thing and then we're going to do it and then I'm going to test you. No, 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 no. A a good example of how an apprentice works is like Alex Steele. He's got a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. He came back to his Montana shop, his uh, apprentice or assistant or whatever that's been working there on his own for a year because of the whole Koof thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Had to teach himself how to make hammers, and now he makes hundreds of them. This actually ties into how is a lot of the lore of the gods pushed forward? Well, the same way that this, the folklore of the Navy is pushed forward. It's the naval people will teach their kids, 
but they also teach the new naval people coming in. You get your folklore that way. That's why there's not like the priest of the smithing god. There might be, but in general, what who is going to have the stories of a smithing god? Right, the the smiths are going to have that story, those stories. Uh, somebody else might have a couple of them, but the smiths, that's what they do. So they're going to have the bulk of the stories, if not all of them. Well, it's like... In, in any given region. Well, like people will bring up, well, Odin's in so many stories of the Eddas. You're saying he wasn't important. No, he was important. But here's two things you got to take into account. One, stories of thieves are extremely entertaining. Mm-hmm. That's why we have so many of them today. Number two, if you are the cult of, say, Dionysus... Who are most of the stories you know going to be about? Probably Dionysus or related figures. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up something else because I was talking about how men are the priests of our families. We are the leaders. We are the guides, uh, the spiritual leaders, the physical leaders, the decision makers. All of this, we, we, we do it whether we want to or not. And here's the thing. Not always, but that's because look at society. Society is fucking broken. So now I'm going to lay responsibility and authority on the women. What is it that the women do consistently throughout our history until recently when society really started to break down? They pulled the communities together. Oh, well, we're going to set up a celebration for Halloween. We're going to set up a celebration for the 4th of July. We're going to get together and we're all going to the beach. All the women get together and they're like, we're all going to go to the beach on uh, insert day. Why? I don't know. Just because we are. We need to. And then they they push and they badger their families into going. They find friends and uh, other family members. And, oh, don't you want to go to the beach with us? All of us are going to the beach. We're all going to have fun. We're going to have a cookout and we're going to swim and we're going to play games. And there's going to be all of us there. Why don't you come join us? This is what the women do. They, they cheerlead. They, they, they don't necessarily um, coordinate the, the community, but they do get the community excited and pulled together. And the families, this is your duty. This is your authority. That is what the... Hyperborean priestess does. Yes. She brings the family together, holds the family together, negotiates when people, well, yes, I know that you don't want to go to the beach because Bob's going to be there, but you know what we'll do? We'll keep Bob aside on the other side and you, you can still come. You guys don't have to stand next to each other. Just be there. Well, and if you think about it, just look at what the priests call themselves. And by the way, all these things uh, that I'm saying are things I've had women say to me to get me to go to things like a gathering at the at the beach or a park or wherever. This is why priests will call themselves fathers. I mean, even the female priests will call themselves fathers. Yes. Uh, when it comes to the priests and then you have mother superior. Yes. On the other side of it, the nuns. Yes, who specifically runs the other nuns yeah. and might get involved They're in the community. mother and mother superior. And then on the male side, you have fathers. There's a reason they chose these words is to take your authority away from you. Yes. To take your responsibility away from you. To get you to hand the responsibility of yourself and your family over to this third party that doesn't give a fuck about you. Yes. Well, it's like you had a girlfriend at one point. And her family found out you were pagan. Mm-hmm. They did a bu- they did a bunch of research, not that much actually, in the grand scheme of things. No. And then tr- they had you over for Christmas, and they threw a gigantic Yule celebration with flaming horse rides and cheer- and uh, there was a uh, there was the wild ride. There was it, it was actually awesome. They got in costumes and everything. It was fantastic, and it was all just to make me feel welcome and special. But what was even better about it? Well. And afterwards, they asked me how it was and if they got the stuff right. And they told me that they did this stuff specifically for me so I could I could feel welcome. And they found it really fun and they wanted to know what they got right and what they got wrong. So I, I let them know. In general, everything was was right. Even uh, the not directly stuff that they that they did, like the chestnut roasting. The very, very acceptable is, yes, you can roast the chestnuts. You can sing the, the songs. You can do all of this is perfectly good. And I'm like, really, the only thing that's out of place is the uh, what What the hell is that thing with the, the baby and the donkey and the camel and the, the uh, manger scene? Yes. 
I'm like, that, that's it. And pretty much if you take the, the three guys wearing dresses, the three transvestites, and throw them out and remove the baby from there, um, yeah, then it's just fine. And, well, and the camel. Well, Frick, you could probably throw take the three dudes out, throw three guy, three women in, and have, oh. you have the Moirai or the good right. women, the you, Beth you and the that. Norns, like, the weird trim sisters. Trim their beards off from them and turn them into women or put three G.I. Joes in there or whatever. It'd be just fine. Just, but there was a bunch of people mad at me afterwards because they enjoyed it so much. I never said anything about it, but they ended up actually leaving their church and more pursuing a an ethnic faith because it was easier and it was more fun. Well, and here's the thing is everything they did, they were just doing for fun. It's like modern celebrations aren't as fun because there's too many rules. Mm-hmm. Who wants to do a Halloween where you're not allowed to do pranks? Who wants to do a Halloween where there's limits on when you can go out and do these things? Who wants to, Who do, wants to do Halloween between 3 and 4 p.m.? You know, when people are at work or school. Who wants to, I don't know, do a Thanksgiving Day parade with freaking Santa Claus. Remember Santa Claus at the beginning of the podcast? Mm-hmm. At the back of the parade. But the parade just goes in a straight line. It doesn't get to run around like old school parades. Where everyone was just, there's fire breathers. Everyone's running around, jumping into the crowds, juggling stuff. There's vendors all over the place. Loud music. Loud music. Who wants the boring parade with, I don't know, Sandy Sandy? All super regimented. In. Yeah. Well, isn't this a lovely parade? Look, right. I've never seen this float before. Well, it's amazing. Notice, notice these parades are dying. People's having less and less interest going. The more ordered and structured it gets uh, you know, so that we're not intruding, the less people are interested in it. And, and these things, have they're nearly dead now in comparison to what they were even 20 years ago. And the ones that were going on 50 years ago or more was even more so like uh, the Macy Day Parade. Um, the first couple were small. And then it got to the point where the whole city would funnel to the street just to watch the parade. And now... Of so many people don't go like there's still people that go but it's not like it used to be where people would be for blocks in every direction so far away that they couldn't even see the parade but they was happy to participate well and that's the thing is the way our traditional celebrations we have parades but the parades are really interactive they're all over the there's place another they're word for it i can't processions think. ah there you go that's that's the ones where people would just be in crazy costumes running around it's closer to mardi gras yeah and then you have other side things going on and other side parades and there's vendors and there's food. Oh, yeah. You got the main parade, but there's four other parades because there's so many people that you can't get close enough to see the main parade. So all these other ones, they just kind of kicked up and you end up with multiple processions through the city or through the countryside because it wasn't always cities. Sometimes it would be a procession from one town township to another township. Well, it's like state fairs have gotten boring now. Like yes. my well, home state. The more ha- regimented that they get the more sterilized that they get, the less people have fun with it. Well, it's like, well, my- we can't offend. We, we, we can't have the pigs there because we might offend somebody. Fuck you. No. Well, it's like the more the more interactive it is, the more fun it is. Like even my uh, home state, they have the butter cow, which is everyone goes to see the butter cow. They, they pass it on. There's been like three freaking different artists. They take a bunch of butter and they carve it into the shape of a cow. We have a literal idol to the cow made out of butter that millions of people go to see every year. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. This is paganism. It is us. We don't. Ha- it's not that we don't do special things. We do. We we all everything that we do is special, but we don't have to do the dry ceremony. And, and we was talking earlier. Really, what it's because most people don't believe. It is easier to talk to a Christian that really honestly believes it, truly believes it and understands it, than it is to talk to somebody that doesn't. Well, it's because they're just going through the motions. They they don't have a reason for what they do. They're just saying what they think people want to hear. And sometimes they have devoted so much of their life to it, they won't change their opinion even when presented with differing differing ideas that's the thing about paganism is if you're doing paganism right it doesn't matter if the gods exist or don't it's why we say things like you can just believe in this your own strength and power the strength and power of your people and still be pagan because it's designed to make you live a good great life it's not designed for you to get to to encourage you to encourage you 
It's not intended for you to just live out your life meekly and end up going through the pearly gates and right, all that can't nonsense. Pr- you can't pray the pain away. Well, and our culture is replete with paganism. Our symbols, how we build things, how we act, the names of things. Something as simple as like uh, you're raised with the concept of a guardian angel. That's not a Christian concept. No, no. That is a Christianized version of a pagan concept. You are closer to paganism if you just start looking at your everyday daily life and your local culture and you just start picking the Christianity out of it. Mm -hmm. And people that say that they don't know what the Christian aspects are, you do. You do. It's been muddied up so much to confuse you so that you think that you don't. But you know what the Christian concepts are. And these are the things that just, they don't feel right. They feel too rigid, too formatted, too yucky. Well, it's like you want to, the thing is, pagans don't venerate their gods the way Christians do. Like we brought up earlier, you are taught to venerate that way. How you actually venerate is very different. It's closer to hero worship. Mm -hmm. Like how people get with Theodore Roosevelt, how people get with George Washington, Daniel Boone, Robin Hood, King Arthur. Let's use um, Paul Bunyan, for instance. So to truly venerate Paul Bunyan, one, you have to be perfectly good with some some roughneck, uh, the the guy that curses and invents curse words, the guy that can cook wonderfully out of just randomness. But on top of that, you have to actually understand the life cycle of the forest. You have to conserve, uh, be a, what is that, a nature con- conservationist? Thank you. Nature conservationist while also understanding it's okay to cut some of the trees down. It's okay to remove from nature, but you also have to protect it at the same time and allow nature to be nature and encourage it to thrive, to help it grow. Sometimes you have to remove something so that other things can grow. Precisely. It's like the people that Santa Claus, how do you venerate Santa Claus? Well, you have the everyday, but then you have the hardcore people, Mm -hmm. the ones that will grow their beard out, dye it white, and then hand make a costume oh and and they 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 work out so that they look big and they're strong and they can carry the big thing of toys and they go around and give they do charity but they don't do it because and they don't do empty charity either no they do true charity they embody the spirit of giving the christmas spirit Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it these are the valid things you want to see true veneration of our gods of our spirit of our people you look to walt whitman's work or you look to a Christmas carol. That's a pagan myth. It's it's saved a holiday. And it, it it's not about learning what words to say. This is what makes me very angry most of the time. So many people are like the old lady in the elevator uh, with the COVID nineteen thing. Oh yeah, the hit, black guy. Yeah, and she's she's terrified. She, she's so terrified that she is just hitting this black man who's not wearing a mask and saying Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Right. She uh, she demanded they put on a mask. He's like, what are you talking about? So she starts hitting him because she's absolutely terrified. But she's saying the right thing once she realizes that she's hitting the black guy. Black lives matter. Black lives matter as she's hitting him and utterly, utterly terrified. She was utterly terrified. And that is I see that in so many of our people while they're pretending to be. But I understand and I am super spiritual and. I, uh, I have meditated on the secret meanings of the secret secrets. They're just scared. They are absolutely terrified and pretending to be brave, pretending to be understanding, and they're not. You can see it and you can hear it in them. Well, it's like using America as an example. We have a lot of the old gods came over here with us, myths of Thor, myths of Finn McCool. And then we have many demigods. We have many gods that rose up here, but we what we are... The, the American fairyland, as people call it, is replete with heroes. We were a culture of heroes. We are replete with hero cults from poets to doctors to cowboys to pirates to lumberjacks to riverboat masters. We were a land of heroes, larger than life heroes. And I personally think that that is an incredibly valuable thing and worth preserving and worth embodying. We are a land of heroes and we are descended from Europa. And that is also a land replete with heroes, replete with gods. And it is all around us. 
This isn't something you learned from a book. You grew up with it. You just have to remember the bits that you were taught not to see and pick away at the nonsense they taught you that you had to do to be good because they lied to you. And with that, the lore keeper is out and all you dirty heathens out there keep being the best fucking pagans you can be. All right. So, um, yeah, I'm going to wrap up with reminding everybody you're strong, you're brave, and you are smart. You are not fucking broken. Take your power back. That's all that we're doing consistently is just give encouraging you to take your power and your authority back. All right. So until then, yeah, consider following us on Patreon. It will really help us out. So, yeah, consider helping us out so that we can grow. We can do great things together. All right. Until then, see you guys next week.